Hello, and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. So I want to tell you all about um, Charlie, uh, something she told me when she came home from school yesterday. Oh, boy. All right. So she always hops in the car. First of all, when I pick Charlie up from school, she sort of like throws herself into the car. She's always like, she's always carrying what she went in with, like her backpack. (laughs) Um. But then, like, other things, too, like, she's taken random things out of her backpack and decided to just sort of, like, grasp them in her little hands, mm-hmm. like, wadded up. And, like, her water bottle and her coat is always sort of either, like, half hanging off or, like, over her arm and she's dropping things. <laughs> and then, like, the mask <laughs> is part of it, too. So the mask is, like, falling off her face or, like, she's ripping. I, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> she always sort of, like... Mom describes her as being thrown out of school. That's how she looks. Yeah. She always sort of just, like, tumbles into the car. Yeah. And once she gets settled, I'm like, how was your day? And she's always ready to tell me, like, you know, the tea, like the big The entire story. day. The, uh, yes. Um, which I love. I hope that never stops. I know <laughs> at some point you ask kids, like, how was your day? And they're like, fine. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm, I, I hope that day never comes. But she said, uh, well, at school today, uh, there was this club. And it was a wrestling club and we were all signing up for it. And I signed up for this wrestling club and I'm like, wait, stop. Hold on. (laughs) Is this going to be a baby fight club story? (laughs) Oh, hold on. (laughs) I'm like, wait, before before we go further, you signed up for wrestling club? Because I'm thinking, first of all, they don't let first graders just sign up for clubs on their own. Like they send that stuff to parents. And do they let first graders just wrestle each other? They don't let first graders wrestle each other. So already (laughs) there's some holes in this story. And I'm like, where did, hold on, hold on. What kind of club? Did you say wrestling? Because I'm thinking I misheard. And she said, well, it wasn't just wrestling. It's like, you know, like I know Taekwondo and some kids know karate or just like fighting. And I'm like, wait. So it's fight club. Wait, who is, hold on. It is a club where kids fight each other in various styles. And she said, well, any martial arts is fine. And I said, well, no, hold on. (laughs) Who organized this club? Is this something your teachers organized? And she said, no, no, no. Olivia. This is a student. Another first grader. Another first grader. Now, is Olivia real or is that the Brad Pitt in this situation? (laughs) And I'm like, so hold on. So Olivia uh, organized a club. Uh, and she said, yes, a wrestling club. Well, but not just wrestling. Wrestling and karate and everything. Wrestling and karate and everything club. And I said, where will this... Is this an after-school activity that Olivia is envisioning? Or is this, like, during school? And she said, yeah, just at recess. And I said, so at recess, w- did this happen today? Like, was this happening? And she said, well, they wanted to. And I said, so, okay, was there, like, literally a sign-up sheet? Yes. You put your name on it? Yes, I put my name on it, but then I decided it was a mistake and I tried to take my name <laughs> off of it, but they wouldn't let me. It was too late. <laughs> and I said, okay, I just, before I ask anything else, did any children actually fight today? She said, no, they didn't fight. And I said, okay, good. And she said, because we got out on the playground and I realized this was not a good idea. <laughs> and and so I said I stood in between them and I held my arms out like this and she put her arms out like with stop signs on both sides yeah. you know like straight out from her she was like I held my arms out like this and I said everyone stop <clears throat> oh, it doesn't matter if you're a girl 
or a boy or anything else, we all have the same goodness. Okay? <laughs> and I said, was this like a girls versus boys fight? Oh, yeah, it was that. Okay. Well, that was a detail you left out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, then what happened? And she said, well, only the teachers heard me. And I said, the kids didn't hear you? And she said, well, no, they heard me, but they didn't say a word. Except she spelled word. They didn't say a (laughs) W-O-R-D. And I said, okay, did they fight? She said, no, they didn't fight. I'm a peacemaker in my class. Ah. I'm like the peacemaker. Okay. (laughs) And, And I said, so let me rewind. During class today, Olivia established a fight club (laughs) and she said it wasn't a fight club mom and i said this is a movie reference you don't understand i'm enjoying it but not you a boys versus girls fight club it was a boys versus girls fight club she had sign-ups charlie signed up then regretted because she realized fighting on the playground is probably not a great idea (laughs) and you attempted to stop the fighting nobody really listened to you but also i don't think anybody ever intended on fighting to begin with no she Can you said, imagine her standing there with her little arms out going, no, stop. Stop the violence. We all have the same goodness. But we all have heard the Norton s- try that. <laughs> we all have the same goodness. So I got home and I was like, I need you to tell daddy the story and I'm not going to say a word. So she tells Justin the entire story and he looks at her and he goes, are you telling me there's a fight club at your school? And she went, it's not a fight club. Why do you all keep calling it a fight club? <laughs> Well, it's not a fight club because she was talking about it. So, well, she was clearly breaking all the rules of this fight yeah. club, though. You know. <laughs> she was trying to talk about fight club. it. She was trying, trying to, to end it. <laughs> so, so there was a first grade fight club that almost happened, and your child stopped it. She's a peacemaker, you see. Mm. She's the peacemaker. She's the peacemaker. <laughs> then she said later, she said, "You know, actually, Jackson is also a peacemaker." Oh, okay. <laughs> so she's doing okay. So there's two. There's two okay. peacemakers. Yeah. I would like to see, though, a bunch of tiny little seven-year-olds, like, Charlie doing her taekwondo <laughs> movements and some kid, like, doing, like, a karate kick or karate chop, just kind of, like, in the general vicinity of each other. Yeah. You know, like, but not ever actually, like, touching, like, hitting each well, other, but just kind of doing it at each other, like a like a dance battle on the like, like the love montage warm-up of that. Yeah. <laughs> she does. She has told me before, because there are multiple kids in the class that do take various martial arts, mm-hmm. as, she, as she said, all the martial arts. And they will do what they call no contact free fighting because um, they do that in class sometimes. And they, they that's the rule. You do not make contact with each other. But it is that you sort of like just punch and kick at the person, but you never actually make contact. And they do that on the playground, which part of me is like, that would be adorable. But the other part of me is like. Isn't there somebody stepping in going, listen, this is just too, like, <laughs> like, because, like, a kid could get, I mean, yeah. you know, they're kids. Gonna you get too close. To the head. Yeah. yeah. And in, in, in class, like, if they're actually going to spar, they wear all these, like, they have a chest pad, and they mm-hmm. have a helmet, like a padded helmet thing. And I mean, you know, like, mm-hmm. they're protected so nobody gets hurt. On the playground, they're just, like, in their clothes. Yeah. Anyway. So, I, I think, I think that wow. the... At least Charlie and maybe all these kids need some sort of ethics class on uh, being a dangerous weapon and having advanced skills and how to go about the world that way. We we have had this conversation with Charlie. Um, <laughs> like, 
Charlie, you're a dangerous weapon and you have advanced skills. I don't have the Spider-Man talk. Well, we kind of had to because like we, we told her like you can now she can now spin kick and, and break a board in half. So and I mean, now the nice thing is like Charlie is a peace. Charlie is a peacemaker. Charlie is the last person that would ever use her powers for bad. She really I can't see her. Cooper she, doesn't know how to spin She is so kick. diplomatic. She The other day, she said the te- I said something on the playground, and the teacher told me it was the best thing she'd heard all day. And I said, what did you say? And she said, uh, two students were fighting. And I walked over and said, let's just agree to disagree, okay? <laughs> I just want to know what first graders are fighting about. <laughs> wow. So. I, I just, I mean this with all the love, but I guess when two total nerds have a kid they make a super nerd (laughs) although you know what if that's what i love about both of your kids if cooper would have been up in there not charlie cooper would have been the one like organizing the fights like taking bets like all right give me money cooper would have cooper would have been yeah making money off of it for sure yeah you're not gonna send cooper to taekwondo are you because that's just i I don't think she will that's asking for bad things to happen. I, I, don't, I don't think we can give her that power. <laughs> There'll be no board left standing. If um, she saw two kids fighting, she'd be like, all right, guys, what's the issue here? How can we make it worse? Let me hop on one side. Let me get some other people to hop on the other side. Let's she, make this a big battle. She loves drama. She loves drama. Uh, okay. I don't know. Dogma. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I got nothing. Um... Uh, first of all, uh, thank you both for watching Dogma. I am sorry if it was difficult to find. Uh, well, it's it, yeah, because it's not uh, has no contracts for streaming anywhere, but um, it is free on YouTube. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's what good. Justin told me before I watched it. He texted me like, "By the way, you're not going <laughs> to find it anywhere else." <laughs> yeah. I. I. It. It. We had to. It took us a bit to find it too. I was, and then I. I had a moment where I was like, "Well, I have it on DVD." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would just go upstairs to our expansive DVD collection that I, I to be fair, wanted to get rid of. Justin is the one who insisted that all the DVDs we have ever purchased. I mean, literally, it's every DVD oh, yeah. both of us had bought in our, you know, young adult lives are upstairs. Um, it's up there somewhere. But anyway, yes, it was on it was on YouTube. Um, I OK, f- we're going to talk about Dogma, which is a Kevin Smith movie and who who you probably know of, but if you haven't made Mall Rats and Clerks and uh, Chasing Amy and Jane Silent Bob and Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, like all those movies. Um, and for me, back in the day, Dogma was like my favorite. Um, it is the story. It's a, it's a religious fable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, about two former angels who are trapped on earth because they defied God and this is their punishment. They have to live in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And then the Catholic church creates a loophole uh, where all of anybody who walks through this church's arches will be forgiven of all their sins. It's called a plenary indulgence. And these angels are like, we're going to do that. And then we'll be forgiven and can go back to heaven. But then that would defy God, which would end existence. And so there are a lot of, um, figures from christian mythology who are tapped to come try to stop this from happening there's the plot and there's lots of uh famous people in it yeah. yes um i i feel like as i watched it because man it'd been a long time since i'd seen this movie 
I feel like there are parts of it that still hold up, but a lot of it that did not age as well. Yeah. I'd never seen it. So this was my first experience mm-hmm. with it. Um, I will say, though, I feel like us maybe especially can have some sort of a particular appreciation and kind of chuckle at some of it, you know, being yes. raised in the Catholic Church and no longer being in the Catholic Church. Yeah. Yes. Th- there are some bits in there that were like, this is for me. <laughs> I get that. This is for me. <laughs> well, even just like the central sort of plot device, the idea of an indulgence is real. Mm-hmm. Um, that it that is part of Catholicism. I was I remember uh, being granted an indulgence at Catholic Youth Conference. Like the whole room was, we were all granted. I forget what kind of indulgence. It wasn't a it wasn't a forgive all sins indulgence. It was one of the lesser indulgences. Like it forgave a smaller number of sins. <laughs> yeah, but I remember on like five, yeah. five sins free. Well, it was just like it just like a. Like a cardinal came to the conference and just granted us all an indulgence. I still remember that moment because I remember being like, oh, this was, I don't, like looking at myself like, do I feel different? <laughs> what has happened <laughs> like, to I'm me? I'm free of some sins. <laughs> I wonder which ones. Yeah, um, you don't get to pick, I guess. Yeah. I don't think you, no, I think there's just <laughs> quantity is the issue. This yeah. is a quantity issue. Yeah. So, is it a percentage? Maybe. Like 30% yeah, yeah. of your sins are now gone. That's it. Um. Yeah, but, uh, uh, okay, first of all, so this movie came out in what, what was it, 99? I think 99. Yeah, I think 99 is right. Uh, it, <laughs> I think, I have a, Justin and I were watching it, and he said, why did movies used to just have people die in them all the time? Like, lots of people are killed in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, Just, like, brutally killed. And it's not treated with, like, much, like, sensitivity or care or consideration they're just killed and i i really think that there was a cultural shift and i don't know if this is like a 9-11 related cultural shift maybe i don't know tay if you have a thought on this i know that you were so little riley (laughs) but like one there was a moment i like when i was growing up where movies like people just got killed all the time and Mm -hmm. it was no big deal and now seeing that i found a little like shocking and unsettling I, is that when the shift happened? Mm, I feel like movies are still pretty violent. I don't know. I mean, the Marvel movies have a lot mm-hmm. of death in <laughs> I mean, that whole movie ended with like 50% of the whole world just like, bloop. Gone. But it was like, but people were upset about it. You mean like the, the kind of cartoon kind of violence of... Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just like somebody, I mean, like walking into a boardroom with a gun and shooting everybody and blood splattering on things like that being played for like laughs. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you're watching different kind of movies now. (laughs) Maybe that's it. Maybe that maybe it's me that's changed. Maybe movies are the same. I don't know. I also seek out a lot of violent movies. I'm like, no, the whole time. I don't know. I just watch a lot of violent films. Maybe there was an era like briefly after you know like early 2000s where that was not as common that's definitely Maybe we circled back to where that's that's you know accepted again because i mean it. a lot of the adult not a lot a good portion of the adult population watching violent or horror movies now is like me that was barely one at the time of you know 9-11 so well, Maybe it, that's didn't experience i don't know that shift. I, 
it, it just and maybe it's me because it does oh, like it, yeah. it hits me differently when i watched this movie when i was young there was no part of me that was like oh no yeah. i mean like i didn't want to see people die but it was just like well it's just for the plot like yeah. well they're just you know that's just part of the plot like yeah. i don't know now it's like oh oh there's where's the sensitivity yeah <laughs> i don't know well i've noticed that not just with you but i think like as you get older in general like, especially if you suffer real loss like you you know you lose people in your life like there's just that that kind of like disconnect that you have to violence when you're mm-hmm. younger if you haven't experienced goes away and i guess 9-11 mm-hmm. was an event that exposed a lot of us to that all at once so mm-hmm. you know maybe maybe that's the shift it's a combination but, but yeah i i do it so in their quest to get back into heaven, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are the two angels. And um, we learn that Matt Damon, Loki, <laughs> different Loki, <laughs> a different Loki, was an angel whose job it was to like murder people on behalf of God, like g- good angel of death, good murder. Yeah. <laughs> like the kind of murder God wanted. Yeah. Right. Murder. And yeah. <laughs> and um, he and so on his way, he like, commits more righteous murders in the name of God. Um, And so, like, I think the intent is that they're supposed to be a little bit disturbing. Mm -hmm. Which they are. I mean, because, like, he finds somebody who's committing a sin and he's like, I'm just going to murder you now. Which isn't really our human idea of justice. Right? Um, But it's we. I think the whole thing of it, it's weird to me because it meant so much to me when I was younger because they were saying things about faith and religion that I felt. Mm -hmm. And like Kevin Smith was raised Catholic, which is not in any way shocking if you've seen this movie. That's not surprising. I didn't know that, but that checks out. And so and and he went through, I think, something very similar to a lot of people who were raised Catholic in his 20s. He had this sort of like disillusionment, disconnection like trying to find where can I fit this into who I'm becoming as an adult and like sort of explored other faiths to see if maybe there was something that suited him better. And this movie is the result of all that, Mm -hmm. of all that sort of like questioning, searching and his relationship with the Catholic church. And there are a lot of things that are said in the movie because Kevin Smith movies are all about those conversations, right? Mm -hmm. There's lots of scenes with people just sort of working through some stuff together, Mm -hmm. which I love. It was very Mm nineties. Um, but and there, so there's lots of things that I remember going like, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. And now as an adult, I'm watching going ah, all those conversations. I don't feel like they get us to where we need to get at the end. I don't know. That was my complaint watching it again. Like at the end, I don't feel like we've arrived anywhere. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I will say that. And I guess the only other kevin smith movie i've seen is mall rats which i mm-hmm. saw uh, many years ago at some point with you um so i don't have a ton of experience in his world of movies but that amount of just kind of sitting down and talking and just kind of going back and forth for like an extended period of time i was not i'm not used to that <laughs> there were moments where i had to like pause it like hold on sometimes i just kind of tune out movies because i assume like the actual conversations between people aren't going to last more than like three minutes and then something else is going to happen i was like i gotta readjust my focus because it's late and i need to listen to these <laughs> conversations the conversations are the movie yeah that's yeah. the whole movie i mean it's like when you watch like uh i don't know i was gonna say like a a play as opposed to a musical like you know like hamilton just music the entire time no dialogue it's like let me get into all these songs but then you watch like i don't know 
Romeo and Juliet, it's like you gotta listen to all those words. Yeah, just, there are no songs. It's just the words. There's no songs in here. It's just the words. Kevin Smith movies are like never mind. They're like the Shakespeare. <laughs> it's modern Shakespeare, Kevin Smith. The he did part. a he did a Shakespeare movie, didn't he? Did he? Uh, he did a modern adaptation of mm, Taming of the Shrew. I want to say. I know I'm not what, making this wasn't up. Wasn't that 10 Things I Hate About You? That was not Kevin Smith. No, well, there was that, but there was like another. Oh, I know he actually did do this at some point. I swear I'm not making this up or I might be making this up. I don't think I'm making it up. So perhaps he himself has thought of himself as a modern day Shakespeare. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I definitely, it definitely is. And Tay, you can probably attest to this too. There, that was very much of the time, like the idea of these like hyperverbal sort sort of nerdy. Like in his mind, it was a guy, but like the rest of us were out there too, who weren't guys, <laughs> um, who like just wanted to have all these sort of nerdy, deep philosophical conversations, and thought like what we were saying was really important. And then like those are the movies. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that was very much the time. Oh, that's absolutely true. I just looked, I just typed into Google Kevin Smith Shakespeare. Just figured something would come up there. That's not, he didn't. He didn't? He didn't. Did I make that up? Um, I think you did. I'm, I'm almost positive I didn't. Well, there is a lot of crude humor in, uh, in both Shakespeare and uh, <laughs> yeah. Kevin Smith. There you go. The, the Kevin Smith dialogue uh, hits a little different, though, because it's not like you decode a bunch of things and go, oh, haha, that person actually told that person to, you know, F off. Like, no, they just say it. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever it was, I made it up. You just created I, that in no, your head. No, I swear to you. Is that something well, you anyway. are trying to manifest? Really? That you subconsciously not, want to exist? To, no, I'm not trying to manifest anything. <laughs> You want you want a Kevin Smith Shakespeare? Maybe I don't know. know. Maybe he did it. I mean, the only thing I can find is apparently, yeah, he no. I swear to you, I thought there was something. Yeah. Um. Okay. I want to talk more about actual like stuff (laughs) from this movie. (laughs) But before we do that, let's check the group message. Uh. Okay. I'm hungry. Me too. I'm I'm always hungry. Um, and the problem is, I'm also really busy. I have tons of stuff to do. I got kids. I've got jobs. I've got volunteer work. I've got podcasts. I've got so much to do. And I don't always have time to cook. Uh, and sometimes I don't feel like getting dressed and going out to a restaurant, especially with two kids. And that's why I love DoorDash, uh, because DoorDash takes one thing off of my to-do list which is eating, and that's a big thing. It's an app. All you do is open it up. You pick from a selection of local restaurants. Um, I like. I, it's been a great way to support some of my favorite local places who uh, I, I would love to go to, but maybe I couldn't, and so instead DoorDash will bring their delicious food uh, straight to my door. Uh, contactless delivery just drops it off right there on your porch. Um, again, many of your favorite local restaurants are up, are on there. Uh, also, um, if you need some just like incidentals, some stuff from like the local, you know, convenience store or something like that, DoorDash has got your back there too. Anything you need, um, DoorDash will 
you open the app, you pick what you want, they go and grab it for you, and one of their wonderful delivery drivers drops it off on your front porch. So, Taylor, if our listeners want to check out DoorDash, what should they do? Well, right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more and zero delivery fees for the first month when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BUFFERING. That's $5 off your first order and zero delivery fees for a month when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BUFFERING. Don't forget, that's code BUFFERING for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. So I'm also hungry. Um, and We're doing a pretty early morning recording sesh right now. Uh, so it's about breakfast time. And I usually am pretty bad about remembering to eat breakfast because I like to sleep in and don't leave a lot of time for myself to grab a good breakfast in the morning. Um, but that is why I have turned to Magic Spoon to fulfill my breakfast needs and my other snacking needs and food needs as well, but mostly breakfast. Um, because it gives me that good boost of protein to start my day. It fills me up. It keeps me energized. Um, and that, that's why you also should think about Magic Spoon when you're thinking about cereal and you're thinking about maybe having breakfast, maybe having a midnight snack. It's got zero grams of sugar and 13 to 14 grams of protein in each serving. So you're not adding extra sugar, uh, which sometimes can give me headaches, can upset my tummy. Don't have to worry about that. And you're getting protein, which is something I know I don't get enough of. And now you can get it in delicious cereals. And it's gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. And you can build your own box with all of their flavors uh, and build your own custom bundle out of all of their flavor options of cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, cookies and cream, maple waffle, blueberry, cinnamon, plus the newly reformulated honey nut flavor that is now added to their permanent collection. And it is so delicious, they brought it back permanently because everyone loves it so much. So that's one you got to add to your bundle. Check it out. There are lots of good flavor combos. Um, My personal favorite is the fruity although maple waffle, blueberry, and cinnamon all also sound delicious and sound like you could probably put them all in one bowl and it would be a great combo. Um, So Magic Spoon's got you covered on the flavor front and you feel good about eating it and it fills you up, keeps you going throughout the day and also good for a little midnight snack maybe if if you're still looking to munch. So Tay, if our listeners want to check out Magic Spoon, what should they do? They should go to magicspoon.com slash buffering to grab a custom bundle of cereal and be sure to use our promo code buffering at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. Again, that's magicspoon.com slash buffering and use code buffering. Um, yeah, I totally made that up. I double checked while you were talking about <laughs> I know. Yeah, that, I just don't. And you know what also would happen uh, in the 90s is there would definitely be somebody... Who was like um, an amateur Kevin Smith biographer who would be uh, very quick to correct me on all of this and challenge me, you know. But um, yes, I am wrong. I made that up somehow. Wow. I don't know. It just felt like it happened. I dreamed it. Sydney said I am wrong. Yeah. But it. But I mean, that is. I. I. I don't. I don't know that I would compare it to Shakespeare. But it is very talky. No. No. It, it, I, there is a lot of talky. <laughs> that immediately popped into my head, and I was like, "That's not a valid comparison." But then it just. It was too funny not to say it. I wish I would have um, made you watch Clerks. <laughs> well, I mean, we got this whole show for that reason. That's just lots so. of talking. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember Mallrats. I. I didn't get that impression from Mallrats when I watched it. I, at least I don't remember. It has more. Um, well, I mean, this uh, this movie has tons of plot. Like, lots of yeah. things are happening. That's true. But that's true. But I mean, the, I don't know. the The hallmark of a Kevin Smith movie was what was the dialogue. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that was the 
that was the thing were sure. the conversations and the commentary and the ideas being presented i i mean don't you think tay like that is the thing yeah well that's your you pick he's picking a topic that to have lots of thoughts about and just put those thoughts in the character's words mm-hmm. yeah or in the mouth the thing the the analogy he gives about um faith being like a glass mm-hmm. and that as you get older the glass gets bigger and it gets harder to fill up mm-hmm. um that was something that he was told by a priest mm-hmm. or somebody that he was trying to talk to to figure things out mm-hmm. like he was told that himself and so that's that's why it's in the film yeah is that is something he was told yeah there were a lot of um you said a lot of plot it felt like there was a lot going on that yes. like i don't know if now I don't want to say all filmmakers because obviously this isn't true, but I maybe a lot of mainstream movies. Um, I don't know if they assume we don't have the attention span for all of those different ideas and plots and things happening. <laughs> I, that might be true because again, I was like, hold on, I got to readjust my focus. I got to keep track of everything happening. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. I guess my what a, an easier way to say it is definitely not one of the movies you can turn on and watch at and get what's going on. Yeah. You gotta like decide this is what I'm doing because I usually will turn on movies or TV like while I'm doing something else, um, you know, doing laundry or mm-hmm. cleaning or whatever. Um, cannot do that with Kevin Smith movies. No, I, but I do think it's really. Uh, I mean, the amount of of sort of ideas introduced in this movie are handled really well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the you, you have characters like you know like Serendipity uh, entering in and like having a very co- like that's a complex idea to get across as a character like oh this was a muse who's now in human form and like just kind of has one well written conversation and now we understand everything about her you know there's mm-hmm. not yeah. like a yeah I mean maybe it assumes a, a higher level of like a, of retention of information this movie but it, it works that's true though they, you don't they don't take as long to get across an idea as mm-hmm. maybe you would in, an, in another kind of movie, which I do appreciate because you can get more in that you can process and take in in the same, you know, out length of a movie. Justin made the point that if this was made today, I mean, lots of things would be different, but if it was made today, um, it would work better. He thinks, and I think this is probably true as like a TV show mm. because you have all these great characters that are introduced and it really, it rings of something like, and I mean, Kevin Smith loves comic books. That's mm-hmm. part of the whole thing. It rings of something from like a graphic novel series or mm-hmm. even like an animated series. The idea of introducing all of these very interesting characters, making sure you kind of get who they are right up front. Like mm-hmm. right up front, you know their deal. Um, and they're each on a different journey. And the rest of the series will explore all of these journeys slowly over time. But instead, it's all compacted into a movie. Mm-hmm. But it would be really cool to see, like, what happens with the Muse character sure. over time. What happens with Rufus, the 13th yeah. Apostle, over time. Like, let's see those stories. For me, the the thing that, like, watching the movie again, I guess I must have been really invested in the story of the last Scion, mm-hmm. you know, this um, descendant of Jesus in the sense that Jesus had brothers and sisters that we weren't told about. And so she's a great niece of jesus or whatever she is um but now watching it i really the story of the two angels was much more compelling to me like i want i want more of that i want to know what happened to them i want to know if they get forgiveness i want to know if they get to go to hell like i want to know about them because they made me really i actually found them more sympathetic than the other characters 
I don't know. Interesting. Well, I do think, I mean, I think for as much as there's there's so much, you know, there's dialogue and humor in here that definitely roots the movie in, in wh- when it was made. There is a lot of like, I don't know, stuff that is ahead of its time. And I think the idea that there is really, there's no bad guy really. Like everybody has a reason for doing what they're doing. Even like the demon who, mm-hmm. you know, didn't want to fight. He was an artist and now he's been punished horribly. Like there is that side of very fair questioning of like all of these people that might bring about the end of the world are doing so because they were punished so harshly by God. So who's really to blame? Which mm-hmm. I don't know. It remind you mentioned that it's a lot like comic books and it it reminded me of like both sort of Sandman esque with all the very eccentric characters just being very like, you know, calmly introduced and also preacher and sort of like casual take on like heaven and hell dynamics. So Yeah. No, it it is it is really interesting to see all that play out, and and like you said, to see, I mean, when Azrael says, "I was an artist, I didn't want to fight," I find that a very like reasonable, like okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I can I can totally empathize with that statement, and when uh, the muse is like serendipity, is like yeah, but even Elvis went to war when his country asked him to, and I'm thinking like, well, I don't. I actually don't agree with that point that you're making on that like that. You know what? I don't I don't I on this particular argument, I think I'm siding with the demon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know that I agree with that. But I, I mean, I really think that that was an interesting it is because I Matt Damon's character, Loki, I mean, he he talks about committing genocide, mm-hmm. you know, and. But it's in the name of God, so it was supposed to be, you know, quote unquote good. Yeah. But as a human, I'm thinking well, that's that's bad. That's bad. Yeah. But then Ben Affleck is the really bad guy, Bartleby, because at the end, I mean, that's what we're supposed to follow. And yeah. I don't mean me, but you know what I mean? Because he's the one who starts to go on a rant like Lucifer questioning God's plan. I don't know. Like all of it. I'm like, I don't know whose side I'm on of, of any of this. Yeah. Well, but even like in his case, he seemed to be very heartbroken over being cast out of heaven and, you know, like that he loved God and now his, you know, is, is, is out of her life. Like, I don't know. It felt like not, nobody felt like, you know, the plotting, like, I'm evil because I want to do evil. Like, right. Mm-hmm. Um, can I ask about a trope that is, I mean, central to this movie, but also as I was thinking about it, watching this movie seems prevalent in a lot of very popular 90s early 2000s movies and that is the dude duo the dude <laughs> like, duo I mean Jay and Silent Bob you've got Loki and Bartleby Wayne's World Bill and Ted all of these popular movies from this era that like center of the plot you've got all these characters moving around them that are also important mm-hmm. but like central to the movie are two dudes well, like, that just it, 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 that seems like that was very common I don't know if that was just we were still in an era where it was like most movies were very male. Like, yeah, well, that's who got to write them. Yeah. So that's who was writing them. And, and, yeah. Um, also, in all the other Kevin Smith movies, that's present. Yeah. Yeah. Casey and Amy and, and Mallrats. Yeah. It's it's all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're that's who was making the movies. And the idea of like, um, I mean, it was still revolutionary to say that, like, well, sometimes women are friends and there's no drama there like the idea that like two women could go on this sort of adventure and just be friends and that kind of thing would have like that 
well, no, of course, they'd probably like fight or something over a boy at some point. Yeah, it would be like that. You know, and I'm not saying that's but right. like, you know what I mean? I guess that's why when they did the, the new Bill and Ted, then it was, you know, their two daughters. <laughs> yeah. Not, you know, the Bill and Ted. Yeah, that no, makes sense. We, I, 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 it's hard for me to think about things from that perspective because I can know like what you all have told me about what, you know film culture and culture in general was like in that era i wasn't alive for a lot of it so like i can't actually know it's very much so like more boys is what i was going to say i should say men Men. boys two men boy men guys guys made the movie and guys were like i know what movie guy made movie i know what it's like when me and guy are together and me and other guy and multiple guy like i know multiple guy situations and what that's like and then sometimes you'll see in a movie a girl gets to be there because she's cool like she's the cool girl she can hang she's i believe it's what your generation calls the pick me girl Mm -hmm. yeah that was so there was the cool girl yeah the girl that could hang not like other girls not like other girls yeah she's like a guy yeah but she's a girl okay so like like that girl would be in a movie sometimes and it was because like guy would be like i know girl that can hang here's girl i'll put her in movie because she's girl that can hang but what happens in the room when there are just girls well, we see the movies, what guys think happen in yeah. room when just girls like. <laughs> yeah. So I think I really think that that's it sounds simplistic, but that's what a lot of movies were like. We don't know what Makes happens sense. when there's only girls around because we're all guys. But we imagine that they fight and maybe sometimes they throw pillows at each other and they're probably usually wearing underwear. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> I was just thinking we, we about the... and they talk about us, right? Like that's all they talk about are yeah. guys. <laughs> I was thinking about the dude duo. I was like, man, it's like all these movies. I mean, that makes sense. I, this is sort of an aside, but this specific dude duo, well, as in the, the two angels, um, you know, the, the way that they costume them, and then inside of sort of all the angels have the same costuming of the, yeah. the, mm-hmm. the peacoat with the hoodie underneath. Mm-hmm. And that became such a fashion thing in our family specifically. <laughs> yeah. Like, Did all of really? our cousins. Uh, yeah, everybody, like, just, oh, yeah, like that, that angel from dogma style for the the hoodie underneath the the pea coat i still wear that sometimes <laughs> it reminded I, me of a I sydney fit it, it was it was i remember watching and being like now that is cool <laughs> like good look that is a look like i wanted that look so much um it's, it's a nice I, outer jacket but then you kind of you know make it more casual with the hood yeah it's, I mean, there are a million things like, and I'm sure there are lots of think pieces written about Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. And I, so I don't have much to say about all of that as mm-hmm. their evolution as people and actors and whatnot together in this movie. They're very good. They're mm-hmm. very yes. Yes. engaging, charismatic. I'm interested in what they're doing and saying um, those characters I, really like to me, I, the whole story is so sad. The idea that they were, trying to serve God. They asked if they could not do this anymore. They're thrown out of heaven. They're trying to get back. It's all a very sad story mm-hmm. in that sense. Um, I uh, I also think it, it's funny because the concept of the 13th apostle who was written out of the Bible because he was black and then this like supposedly secret revelation that Jesus was black now is not at all like shocking well like yeah i think we've all i mean hopefully by now we've all realized that like jesus and all of the apostles were not white yeah <laughs> i i think we all should know that by now um but in the 90s to say that 
I and imagine it's, that it's was a funny thing. because even in the 90s, they couch it with now all these other apostles were white, though. Yeah. Which like, no, obviously they weren't like we're in the Middle East. No, they weren't. They weren't a bunch of white guys. But I don't know. But at the time, that was like, <gasps> yeah. So well, I, I think that's interesting to see now because yeah. it's like, well, that would. Yes, that's not shocking. That wasn't but, yeah. shocking to me watching it. But again, I when you look at it through the lens of 1999, then yeah, I, I can imagine it was. I mean, I, I, you know, I forgot the the sort of uh, the warnings at the beginning of the movie that are kind of like, this is just for fun, you know, like, yeah, seem actually concerned that questioning religion, specifically Catholicism might be met with some sort of pushback or hatred. And I, I can't remember if there was any outrage when this movie came out. But like, for things like that, it's like, yeah, I get, it was, it was a different time. <laughs> Now, Wikipedia told me that, and I guess Wikipedia, told me that the Catholic Church, like, denounced this movie as blasphemy when it came out. Ah. Yes, they did. I mean, like, among the general public, it was not considered, like, an outrage. But the Catholic Church was like, no, 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 no. No, they were were furious about it. Makes sense. Um, Yes, they were very upset. Because it, I I mean, mean, it still did well. I was looking, it was like, it still, you know. Well, a recepted movie, but I think that was part of it. Received movie, like yeah. the the controversy around sure. it, sure, certainly drove it. I mean, I had the the Buddy Christ. Mm-hmm. I had one of those in my car. They made these little like <laughs> Buddy Christ that you could put on your dashboard, and yeah. I had oh, one up. God, that's good in my car all the time of a little Buddy Christ. Like yeah. it was, it was, but it was seen as like, ooh, you saw dogma. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, okay. you're so bad. You saw dogma. Um, which it doesn't feel that way by today's standards, right. but I could guess. I mean, especially here where there are many Catholic families mm-hmm. and people, and growing up in the Catholic Church, knowing people that would be like, <gasps> "Ooh, did, what did you think of God?" <laughs> Alanis Morissette. <laughs> if you could live in 1999 and see the reveal of Alanis Morissette as God, I don't, yeah. I don't know how to explain it to you now. <laughs> I mean, it took. I will say it took me a minute to be like Alanis Morissette because I mean, yeah, that's not like a figure that I'm like immediately. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, that's her. Um, that was very good. I did, I did like that. <laughs> I imagine that reveal was huge. Yeah, a lot bigger of a deal. It it really meant something. Like, oh, and Alanis Morissette is God. Like, not only he's got a woman, but it's Alanis Morissette. Yeah. <laughs> And I love the way that she portrays God. Like this when, you know, they're having a conversation and she's just over to the side doing headstands. Yeah. <laughs> rolling around in the grass. With her plaid boxers under her tutu there. There was yeah. some part of it that reminded me of, it's very different, but in the sense that like in The Good Place, when Maya yeah. Rudolph is like the the judge and that's how kind of how she acts as like, quote unquote, God. Yeah. Kind of just like, eh, whatever, nonchalant, just like you all figure it out. Like that was... Very reminiscent of that. Yeah. Um, it was... Yeah, I, I, I really loved that. that. I remember that being a big deal to me at the time, too. Mm-hmm. Like, that whole idea of God. And I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think... I should say, too. So, obviously, like many movies of this era and TV shows that we talk about, there are moments that are definitely homophobic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, like, I feel like that was a common thing back then, especially, like, Jay having to adamantly assert that he's not gay. Um, there are a couple moments that are transphobic. There are, I mean, I think, I think also like some portrayal of when they're hanging out in the strip club and they have the other group of guys who are hanging out and they're all black men. And that whole interaction I found to be 
yeah racist i mean because there was like an insinuation like now we're all in a gang i don't know i i so i think like there are some problematic things about the movie that are are very typical to the time i feel like that's always important to say like if you're gonna watch it and there's obviously gun violence there's lots of shooting with guns i mean i feel like that ties into the dude duo right i mean they were being written by white cis men yes so anyone else who's not in that category kind of gets treated as not not good yes secondary Uh i think kevin smith was trying to start conversations that needed to be had and we have you know the the right people have had have found more nuanced ways to have them and you know time Mm -hmm. after this movie but i still do think it was you know there is that element of it that i do respect that you know like movies like this and chasing amy were kind of confronting difficult or taboo subjects long before we it was popular to do so yeah yeah no i I think that's definitely true he was he was trying to bring other people into the conversation and this was i think before the it shouldn't have been a revelation but it was actually if you want to bring other people into the conversation why don't you let them talk sure yeah so at least you know i i know yes it let them write the movies let them be in the room this was a time Mm -hmm. where i guess it probably was not as easy to get people that weren't straight white men in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess at least he was one that was using his platform I, position to be able to start those conversations before it was as easy for other people to be. Mm-hmm. And it's like what Tay said. I mean, he was doing that before it was popular to do so. It would have been easier to make like, you know, a, a Bill and Ted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and th- there is something like, I don't know, genuine in this movie. There is mm-hmm. something about it that is not 90s in the sense that it's not all cynical. Mm-hmm. There's something kind of inherently hopeful and like innocent about it. This longing for a faith that does make sense or a worldview that is kind or something like so- it's like grasping for something that I can. I don't know. I found it very like at, by the end, I found myself kind of moved by it. And I think that's what I'm sensing is his longing for answers, his yeah. search, making the film. I think that comes through. And I think that's something yeah. whatever your faith or lack of faith or anything is. I think that sort of search for like a better understanding of your place in the world is something we can all kind of connect to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. especially with the Catholic Church and being ex members of the catholic church it feels especially prevalent to not want to denounce like the the idea of faith entirely because you were raised in a church like the catholic church but also you don't really know what you believe so it is like that kind of it it felt like a movie that was talking about religion in a way that was not treating it like it was this like perfect system obviously but also in a way that was still like acknowledging it Mm-hmm. I think that's why I enjoyed it because it was like very, very similar to how I feel about our whole upbringing in, in faith and how I feel about it now is very much like I'm not going to denounce all of it entirely, but I don't agree with most of it and I don't really know what I believe. So that, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that felt very true. I think that that speech that Rufus gives and they come back to it there at the end about the difference between beliefs and ideas is really kind of the core message of of what's Mm -hmm. going on you know that you can you can change you can change your ideas it's hard to change a belief so it's better to have ideas yeah yeah well thank you all for watching it i know it is and it was a ride (laughs) it was not what i was expecting i don't know what i was expecting it wasn't that but i enjoyed it
Um, it, it ends with, is that an original song that Alanis wrote for this movie? The end there? I don't know if it was credits. original or if it was part of that. Because, you know, after her original album, she sort of went on like a spiritual journey of her own oh, and okay. released a lot of songs oh. about that. Because Thank You is all about that spiritual journey. The song Thank You. Because mm-hmm. she like, she went to India for a while and I don't know, she studied some Eastern religions. and Anyway, so mm-hmm. she, <laughs> this may have been part of her spiritual journey too. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But thank you all. What's next, Tay? Uh, next, I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about the band Against Me. Um, but I specifically want to talk about the album uh, Transgender Dysphoria Blues, which came out in uh, 2014. It's a little bit more recent. The band's been around for a while. But. All right. All right. Well, we will check that out. Yeah, that sounds good. Thank you, listeners. Um, with all those warnings, I think it's important to know about Dogma if you wanted to watch it, if you've never seen it before. It does, it, it is, uh, as many of the movies of the 90s, it is, I think, offensive sometimes racially and sometimes to the LGBTQ community and, again, gun violence. And they use one R slur mm-hmm. in there, too. I should throw it in there. So um, with all those sort of content warnings in mind, it is available on YouTube. <laughs> um, and no, and le- unless you have it in your DVD collection, like I do. Yes. Um Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Maximum Fun. You should go to MaximumFun.org and check out all the great shows there. Uh, you can email us at stillbuffering at MaximumFun.org, and you can tweet at us at stillbuff. And thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Mind. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. And I am Real star-studded cast. Mm-hmm. Yes. A, lot, a lot of famous people yeah. up in there. So mm-hmm. yeah. George Carlin, Chris Rock. All those people. All those people. Hey, were you a reader as a kid? Like maybe you read a lot of fantasy novels or horse girl books. We know how it is. But now you're an adult and you miss reading. You're so busy and you can't figure out how to get back into books. We're Reading Glasses, and we're here to help. Yeah, we'll give you advice to figure out what books you love or learn to stop reading books you don't even like. We're really big proponents of dumping that book. Dump that book. But most importantly, we'll help you fall back in love with reading. Reading Glasses, every Thursday on Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist-owned. Audience supported.